Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Not Just a Lawyer podcast. I'm Sarah Avery of Sarah Avery Legal Practice and today's episode is going to be a short and sweet tribute to Victoria. That's right, the state of Victoria because people in Victoria have done it tough for a very long time, living under really strict restrictions to help protect themselves and the rest of us from the contagion that is the coronavirus, COVID-19, the disease caused by the novel coronavirus that first emerged late in 2019. So great news at the time of recording this um, on the 25th of November is that it's the 27th straight day in Victoria where no new coronavirus cases or deaths have been recorded. And that's absolutely amazing. I'm really lucky to be recording this podcast on the traditional land of the Ngunnawal people, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. So first, let's talk about courts in Victoria. How are they arranged? Each state and territory has a slightly different arrangement. There are, of course, tribunals in Victoria, but for this short and sweet episode, let's talk about the court hierarchy there. So, of course, um, you have the magistrate's court. It's headed by a chief magistrate. And on the hierarchy, it's the court that most people would have first contact with. It determines about 90% of cases. It hears criminal and civil matters, and there are no juries in the magistrate's court. Now, sitting pretty much on the same level as that court, but slightly different, is the children's court. And that looks at criminal and welfare matters involving people under the age of 18 years. And it deals with family law and criminal law. So the family division and all this great info comes from the Law Institute of Victoria website. The family division hears protection applications, breaches of welfare orders, things about irreconcilable differences and permanent care orders for people under 17 who are in need of care and protection. And like in most other states and territories, you would be correct in thinking that the criminal division deals with children and young people accused of committing a crime, and that's people at this stage between the ages of 10 and 18 years. There's also, above those, the County Court of Victoria. That's sort of the mid-layer of the court hierarchy. It would be maybe the jam in a nice sponge cake. So it hears civil, criminal and criminal appeals. It hears the more serious criminal matters, um, such as matters involving drugs, robbery, dangerous driving and sex offences. And then uh, the top layer is the Supreme Court of Victoria. It deals with serious criminal matters, complex civil matters. It has a trial division where it hears criminal matters that are the most serious. So things like murder, treason, etc. And civil cases involving large sums of money or really complex legal matters. And it also has a court of appeal. So it can hear appeals from the trial division and from other Victorian courts and tribunals. So they go, very short and sweet, the court hierarchy. Kind of as an adjunct to this, sitting in its own little spot, like maybe it would be a petty four that comes out with your nice slice of cake, um, is the coroner's court. It's responsible for investigating deaths, uh, which are sudden, violent or unusual, and fires. It's different to the other courts 
because it's an investigative court. It's not an adversarial court. So two sides aren't facing off against each other, each one trying to prove their case. That's a that's probably an incorrect way of describing um, the criminal system, to be honest. But let's gloss over that because, as we know, really the defendant doesn't have to prove anything as such. The prosecution's got to prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt. But, like, that's a digression. The coroner's court is investigative, so it's there to try and figure out what happened. And a coroner can't make findings about guilt Their purpose is to make recommendations to help prevent similar deaths or fires. And not every death in Victoria is investigated by a coroner. Just deaths that are sudden, violent or unusual. So there you go. That's the handy-dandy Victorian court system. Now let's move on to something else. So that was the Victorian court system. Now for something completely different, a really cool organisation based in Victoria called Birth for Humankind. Birth for Humankind um, is an organisation that provides doulas to people who are pregnant and birthing, not just women, but anyone who is pregnant and giving birth. And you might be thinking, well, what does a doula do? What, what is a doula? So let me tell you about that and tell you a little about Birth for Humankind, which is a pretty cool Victorian organisation. So if you're like me, you really need to know what a doula actually is. So from the Birth for Humankind website, which is birthforhumankind.org, a doula is a trained birth support companion who provides practical and emotional support and information to a person during pregnancy, birth and early parenting. And apparently the word doula comes from a Greek word meaning servant of a woman, but at Birth for Humankind, any person who is birthing um, can be supported and they have some criteria um, for who who they can give a hand to. Um, they say that they have provided one-on-one support to over 300 people experiencing social and financial disadvantage, which is pretty amazing. So let's hear a little bit more about the kinds of people they help. Birth for Humankind help people um, by providing free pregnancy support and education services uh, to people who are experiencing financial hardship and who also meet at least one of the following criteria. Um, They're at risk of perinatal mental health issues, under 25 years of age, experiencing homelessness, um, are a newly arrived migrant, um, come from a refugee background or are seeking asylum, um, have a history of mental health issues, have current or historical substance abuse or misuse issues, um, have an experience of trauma, abuse or family violence, um, are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people um, and don't have a birth support person. And Birth for Humankind has a lot of bicultural doulas in their volunteer doula team and they've worked with a lot of people from a lot of different cultures and a lot of different language backgrounds. And they also provide free interpreter support. So you might be wondering, well, what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? I talked about what a doula does. Um, Midwives are also talked about on the Birth for Humankind website and about midwives, they say... A midwife is trained to provide clinical, that is medically-based care and support to pregnant people. Um, A doula is trained to provide non-clinical support, such as personal, practical, social and emotional support. 
Um, and Birth for Humankind notes that while a midwife could obviously provide equivalent support um, like a doula does, the reality of the public health system means that most birthing parents aren't able to see the same midwife throughout their care. Uh, apparently, only 8% of people have continuous care from a midwife or other medical professional during pregnancy and birth. Um, and also they note that perhaps a, mid a mid midwife, sorry, losing my ability to form words, um, their workload means that they might not be able to stay with the person giving birth throughout the whole labour. So the role of a doula is complementary uh, to that of medical professionals. And it's also really important to know that Birth for Humankind's doulas are all properly trained. Um, and if you go to their website, birthforhumankind.org, you can find out more about that. Um, they're a secular and independent organisation. Um, they're committed to child safety and they abide by the Victorian Child Safe Standards. And the other important thing about them is that they are a pro-choice organisation, so they believe that everyone has the right to make their own decision about a pregnancy uh, and that they should be able to access an abortion um, if they would like to um, and also that people deserve birth support um, if that is what they would like. So that's a pretty cool Victorian organisation um, that I have come across this year. So lots of awesome things happening in Victoria still. Uh, people out there helping people, wanting to do the very best for others. I'd like to talk about another really cool organisation in Victoria now. This one is legally based. This fabulous organisation is the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service Cooperative Limited, VALS, which was established as a community-controlled cooperative society in 1973. VALS provides referrals, advice, information, duty work and casework to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Victoria and their solicitors specialise in criminal law, family law and civil law. If you want to know more about VALS, you can go to their website, vals.org.au. That's V-A-L-S.org.au. And one of the really important things about VALS is that they have client service officers who aren't lawyers. They're people employed specifically to be a bridge between the legal system and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. And there are tons of things that VALS does. So they're more than just a legal service. They provide localised support and referrals to community services and mainstream agencies, and they do a whole bunch of things. Um, what they really aim to provide to people is a wraparound service. So not just legal help, but practical help and referrals to other services that can help them. So they receive, on average, 34 police notifications per day. So those are people taken into custody who need the assistance of VALS. They help tons of people. Um, they have, on average, 12 bail notifications every day. They have five remand notifications every day on average. So um, remand notifications means someone who's been placed in jail. So hasn't received bail, is charged with an offence and will be placed in jail. 
So those are really important things for the legal service to know about. Um, You might remember if you've listened to some of my other podcasts that there was a Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. And one of the key recommendations was making sure that services like VALS are notified when Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are taken into custody or have contact with the legal system. So this is super important. There's other things that VALS tries really hard to do. So according to their website and in no particular order, they obviously want to promote social justice for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. They want to promote the right of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to empowerment, identity and culture. They want to ensure that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people enjoy their rights and are aware of their responsibilities under the law and have access to appropriate advice, assistance and representation. They want to reduce the disproportionate involvement of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the criminal justice system. And they want to promote the review of legislation and other practices which discriminate against Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So those are all super important things. They have a lot of offices throughout Victoria, not just in the metropolitan area, but they are in Melbourne. They're also in Bansdale, Ballarat, Morwell, Mildura, Shepparton and Swan Hill. But you can also get hold of them online. Um, If you want to check out the excellent work that VALS do, go to their website. That's vals.org. That is yet another excellent Victorian institution. Another very cool Victorian institution that deserves to be known and recognised by more people is the Victorian Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, also known by its initials VACCHO. You can find them, vaccho.org.au. And they are the peak body for the health and well-being of Aboriginal people living in Victoria. They provide educational services, workforce development, consultancy services, policy and advocacy, among other things. They do projects and research. Um, They are trying to make sure that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people living in Victoria have the best health outcomes that they can have. They obviously work with population health, but they also do a lot of things, a lot of work like position statements on key issues that affect Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's well-being in general. So, for example, in 2018, they did a position statement on the issue of raising the age of criminal responsibility from 10 to 14 years. And their position is, yes, it should be raised um, in light of the impact on vulnerable young people and in particular Aboriginal populations. So there are a number of statistics that they relied upon. Um, Aboriginal young people are 13 times more likely than non-Aboriginal young people to be under justice supervision on an average day in Victoria. And in Australia, Aboriginal people make up 3% of the overall population, but they are 27.4% of the national prison population. So that was 2018 figures. And a Victoria Legal Aid Review found that children from out-of-home care are overrepresented in the criminal justice system. So those were some really key factors. Um, that this fantastic organisation was raising in order to 
support their position statement for raising the age of criminal responsibility for 10 to 14 years. That was in 2018. So you can see that issue is still very much on the table at the moment. Among so many other really important things, one of the key things that uh, Vacho as an organisation believes is that each Aboriginal community needs its own community-based, locally owned, culturally appropriate and adequately resourced primary health care facility. And all of the Aboriginal community-controlled health organisations have a proud history as sustainable grassroots organisations that are committed to assisting every Aboriginal person to realise their full potential as a human being and as a member of their community. So the role of Vacho is pretty huge. So that's just one example of another fantastic Victorian institution. The very last but equally excellent organisation that I'm going to talk about is Sister Works. You can find them on the interwebs, sisterworks.org.au. It's a not-for-profit social enterprise based in Melbourne and it was started around about six years ago and the purpose is basically to empower women through work The mission is to support women who are refugees, asylum seekers or migrants to improve their confidence, mental well-being, sense of belonging and economic outlook, which is pretty excellent. Their vision is an Australia where all migrant women are given the opportunities that they need to become economically empowered. So that's pretty excellent. Now, what do they do? Well, they have labs where they teach people um, skills. And the reason that I came across SisterWorks is that during the pandemic, they have been prolifically making masks. That's how I came to know about them. They try to teach people to learn by doing. Um, they try to build a sense of community and they try to provide financial incentives. So showing women that they can add value and earn money um, despite barriers that they might face in getting employment because of perhaps being from a culturally or linguistically diverse background. So it's about helping women become more confident, learn how to earn money for themselves, feel independent, build their confidence and benefit their community. There are tons of different ways that Sister Works helps people out and helps to empower them. One way is through empowerment hubs, which are workplaces and training centres that provide women, refugees, asylum seekers or migrants with meaningful opportunities to develop pathways of education, employment, entrepreneurship and leadership. So that's pretty cool. But don't just think they're a one-trick pony. They don't just do face masks. Um, They do things like hampers and gifts, uh, locally made food, ethically made homewares, handmade body care. Um, They can organise corporate gifts, just all sorts of things. Um, And 
they're an organisation that obviously empowers people out in the community who are otherwise vulnerable, makes them feel included and welcomed into Australian society, which is super important um, and gives people a sense of personal efficacy and confidence. So that's really great. So all of these organisations that I've talked about, Sisterworks, Vacho and Vals, um, they would gladly accept your donations. If you go to their websites, you can hunt down how to donate to them if you want to. But these are just three examples of fantastic organisations in Victoria that deserve your attention. So those are some excellent organisations and they readily sprang to my mind because of my strong interest in law and in population health. But there are so many more out there. If you are grateful to our friends in Victoria for the sacrifices that they have made to keep the rest of us safe and healthy, can I recommend that you find a Victorian business to support or a Victorian charity to support? And I know that people don't really have funds at the moment to spend. I certainly don't. But when you do, maybe in the next couple of years or if you do now, fantastic congratulations please help um but seriously if you if you can throw some money in the direction of a victorian business or a victorian charity just to show your appreciation for the sacrifices that they have undertaken to keep the rest of us safe and healthy and of course to keep themselves safe and healthy the reason why I think it's important to do this episode of the podcast is because while we've all been living through the pandemic, it can be hard to reflect on what certain things mean and how unprecedented, even though we keep using that word this year over and over again, but truly how unprecedented this situation is. It's hard to reflect on something when you're in the middle of it. It's like asking a fish what they think of the ocean and what they think of water and they have no idea what it is because it's just surrounding them all the time. That's what we're sort of getting like this year. So I think it's time sometimes to take a pause and think about what is actually happening and this pause that I'm taking is a pause directed towards appreciating our friends in Victoria and the excellent things that they have done for the rest of us. It has been noble and it is deeply appreciated by the rest of us. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Victoria. In particular, I would like to thank my Victorian friends and extended family you guys are absolute champions and so is every other Victorian who had to face the difficult lockdown period and somehow managed to get out of there with their mental health intact. I know it's been really tough and it is super, super appreciated. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode of the Not Just a Lawyer podcast. It has obviously been a not particularly lawyerly podcast this week because I think it's super important to say thank you to our friends and family in Victoria. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>